Interested in real estate? How about wealth? Well, they go hand in hand. And here, you'll learn all about it. Welcome to Be The Bank, a podcast where we discuss and debate the topics centered around real estate investing. Your host, Justin Bogard, shares insights into investing in real estate to create real wealth and passive income for you and your family. He'll share stories of real estate investments done right, walk you through the process of owning a real estate note, and most importantly, educate you so you can be the bank. This is Be The Bank, brought to you by Bright Path Notes. Now, here's your host, Justin Bogard. Happy Wednesday to you. It is episode number 23 on the Be The Bank podcast. It's episode is brought, this episode is brought to you by Bright Path Notes. And today, I'm going to have my friend, my colleague, my partner uh, in real estate crime, Mr. Richard Thornton, is going to be on with me today. We're going to be talking about reperforming loans, the good and the bad. And we're going to be talking about some conferences that we went to. So stay tuned. Hi, Richard. Hey, Justin. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. How are you, sir? Great. Uh, you know, I want this. I want this announcer's voice. He's he's got this smooth voice that talks and does things right. You know, I, I mean, how do you get a voice like that? Are you, you know. <laughs> I don't know. Are you saying I have it? Because I don't think I have it. I don't have it. No, I don't have it. No. I don't know. I think you just have a iconic tone and you're like, that fits radio or that fits television or I know. that fits I know. Uh, the announcer at the at the local arena game. Welcome. That's right. Well, good. Well, so what kept you busy this last week? Well, let's see. I've been to a couple conferences. I've been mm-hmm. to the Coeur d'Alene mm-hmm. Summit out in mm-hmm. Coeur Lane, Idaho. I went to the Note Expo Conference, and you were there as well in Dallas, Texas. That was last weekend. Mm-hmm. And you have also gone to another event, and I believe it was in Las Vegas. Did you private even lender. go to an event, or did you just party? Yeah, there? National Private Lender Conference, yes. I mean, it was a big party, right? It's in Vegas. Yeah, well, it kind of is, but you know, that's how you get deals done. I mean, they, these guys... It's party? Really it's, it's, well, it's yeah, it's a different... Um, <laughs> It's different than what we're used to in that yeah. they all stand around and talk about who, you know, what terms they have for this or what terms for the half for that. And, and I mean, you learn a ton about different programs and what people have to offer. And then you go home and you can, uh, you know, raise money. Uh, you can, I'm sorry, you get deals that fit their boxes. And, Every time I go to these conferences and they're for a couple of days, I try to take notes <clears throat> and then I try to reread my notes to recap from what I from what I heard because in the moment I'm listening to it, I'm digesting it, I'm analyzing it in my head, I'm, I'm processing it and going through it. And then a couple of days later, after you get back, because you've missed so many things with work and there's a you know, pile on your desk that you have to go through, you kind of forget about things. So it's always good to write things down and take notes and you know, kind of on the airplane ride back when I go to these events. I always kind of revisit my notes, like, oh yeah, that was a good thing. That was a good thing. So, and you had done the same thing. You had wrote a good, some good notes down for us to talk about with our broadcast that we actually recorded a little bit before this, and that we're going to talk about today. Yeah, um, I I do typically do that because it's as you say easy to forget. Oh yeah, things and the contacts and who's got this and yeah. and whatever and yeah. So, so one of the big topics that we have been hearing about and heard more regularly 
at Note Expo this year was the re-performing loan product alongside with the non-performing loan product. And I kind of wanted to focus today's conversation, Richard, on the re-performing aspect. Mm-hmm. So as you know, the Great Recession put real estate in a big downward spiral, caused property values to plummet pretty much overnight which caused folks to be underwater with their mortgage very, very quickly. Blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. So they had a balance that they owe the bank. The property value went below that balance and immediately they were underwater with their mortgage. Mm -hmm. So it caused a mortgage meltdown. I mean, that was the mortgage meltdown, right? And, how you bought those loans where you looked at the value of the house and said, I'm going to bid on that loan based on the value of the house. Right. Today's market is different as far as a non-performing loan. And I'll get back to the re-performing in just a second. So stay with me. The <laughs> values of the houses are okay. rising. Uh-huh. I know they've come back down a little bit, but all in all, they're still appreciating in value. They're still going up and up and up and up. And by the way, if you would like to watch the video cast of this on the Bright Path Notes YouTube channel, we highly encourage you to do that because you can see all my hand gestures and you can follow along with me. Mm-hmm. So now when a non-performing loan becomes non-performing, the house value is much higher than the debt that's owed. And so if they do have an arrearage balance, if they do have corporate advances that the lender has made on behalf of the borrower, meaning they've paid down property taxes, they've gotten the insurance up to date, or they have a pile of late fees and interest arrears that's accruing, that's all combined into the unpaid balance called the legal balance, a legal collectible balance. And so that's the number that you actually bid on, Richard, as opposed to the house value, because house value is much higher than legal balance. So that's where we're at today right. with the difference between the non-performing then non-performing now. So- the re-performing loans back then, the mortgages were underwater, so lenders were that bought those loans were forgiving debt, so they can be uh, the account can be um, what they want to call it, uh, not paid in full, but the account is kept current. Right. They can modify the loan. They can they can do things with the loan to make sure that the, the account looks current. Okay, and they forgave some debt. So that re-performing loan. You had this fear because the real estate was was so low in value compared to what it used to be. You you saw a lot of reperforming loans struggle, and mm-hmm. so you have a few of them that would sneak through. They'd make very consistent payments, and they'd be able to make that payment and continue forward. But there were still issues with jobs and things like that. Fast forward to today, we got property values that are rising at a very Still, yeah. Even though things have come down a little bit in the super overinflated markets, they've they've tapered down, but they're still overall growing and growing, growing. Mm-hmm. And so now, when lenders are reevaluating these loans with these high legal balances that are still well below property values, they're able to modify these loans. But the borrower has so much equity in the game that it doesn't really matter if they if they eventually struggle with it. It's not as much of a risk as it is. When that when it was through the Great Recession, so that's one part of the reperforming loan cycle. So, Richard, the other part of the reperforming loan cycle that's right now is the loans that were in forbearance during COVID. So there was eight point three million loans that went through forbearance during COVID, and they had a lot of relief. They had fifteen to eighteen months of relief of not having to pay their mortgage if they were, you know, a 
a loan that was made by a, you know, a major bank, not a private loan that, that we talk about and we invest in. And so those loans now are reperforming, right? But they weren't reperforming in the sense that they really had a true default. It was, it was the, the government that kind of allowed, allowed this uh, moratorium, if you will, to happen. So now those loans, you see a good strong pay history with that. I'm all in. Yeah, I, I agree because it's it's higher grade product. Um, if you look at the stats, um, <clears throat> the as you just said, there's a whole lot more equity in the market this time uh, during the period of the pandemic versus the period of the Great Recession. Right, Great Recession, um, housing prices plunged. Uh, this time they've actually increased, as as you mentioned. Um, You've got a lot more equity. You've got a lot more people who are able to refinance out and redo their loans. And so that's getting rid of a lot of the the uh, debt. Um, but it's also much more middle America. So you've got a lot of homes that are in the $125,000 to $250,000 category. Much nicer homes um, that had forbearances on for very good reasons. And uh, I think that's something that we all really need to focus on. Yeah, it's not <clears throat> right. Performing loans had a bad stigma to it because it was looked at as, hey, if they defaulted once, why wouldn't they default again? Right. right. And that logically right. makes sense. Right. If somebody mm-hmm. struggled, they might. But people have different financial things that happen to them for different reasons. And that's not all bad. It's not all self-inflicted, if you will. It's all just circumstance. It could be job related. Maybe, maybe they're a tradesperson and they just they temporarily lost their job from one employer for a few weeks and they picked it back up a few weeks later. Like it's just it's not it's not all bad, is what I'm saying. So the reperforming product that's going to be coming through, and of course you need to put on your proper real estate hat. You need to put on your lens, do your due diligence, look through the deal to make sure that it's it's actually doing what it's supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. but there's going to be some really strong deals in those. And, and that reperforming market is going to be pretty strong for people like us to buy. in. so we're, we're not, obviously we're agreeing on this and we're not afraid to buy this product, but there's going to be a certain uh, stipulation that I'm going to have when I look through it. So somebody asked me the question, I'm not sure if it was in quarter lane or no expo. And they said, what, what do you want to see in a reperforming loan? You know, obviously I want to see, you know, skin in the game. I want to see some equity that the borrower has, I want to see that property value up there. I want to see the terms and everything, but I also want to see probably at least 10 to 12 months of pay history that shows me, Hey, these guys have made it through an entire year without a blip on the radar. And I think this is good to go. Right. And so I think one other factor that isn't talked about a whole lot, and this was brought up somewhat at the uh, private lending conference that I was at yeah, um, is that um, rates are going up. We know that mm-hmm. um, across the country, uh, first time and second time, third time uh, borrowers, buyers um, have their buying power is being restricted anywhere from 25 to 40 percent, which means that obviously they're able to buy less, but they're still there. And yeah. you have um, even though there's a lot of builders who are building in the market and building into this. Uh, higher rate period, um, they're going to be building less, which is actually overall going to tighten demand, which okay. you did not have out of the recession 
at all. You had, matter of fact, if anything, you had people bailing out right and left to get rid of the house because you had so much REO on the on the market. This is going to be the opposite. I think a lot of that is going to be just sopped up by Bill and Mary homeowner who want to buy a new home. Want to build a new home? Want to, <coughs> excuse me, want to buy a new home. So um, the the builders are going to pull back. They are already pulling back. Some of it is because of supply chain. Yeah. They just can't get the sinks and things like that. Um, that's still going on. Uh, but some of it is, is that their bankers are now pulling back and saying, hey, guys, don't get out there too far. You know, we're not going to you, – you have this draw schedule. We're now um, going to slow down your draw schedule. So they're, they're going to restrict the number of houses that you've got out there. Well, there's still plenty of money in the market. It's mm-hmm. more expensive money, but there's still a ton of money out there where there wasn't before. And all of that uh, comes up and says that there's going to be a tighter market in the future. Yeah, it makes sense. Banks are probably saying, hey, look, property values aren't going gangbusters like they did you know, a few years ago during COVID. Right. And they're also saying like, hey, the affordability factor is a problem. We see the interest rates kicked up pretty much three, three and a half percent within a six month period. Mm-hmm. It also means that the rental market is going to get stronger. Yeah, it's going to get stronger. Definitely. Yeah. People can't move into houses like they wanted to and move out, right. of, out of renting. So guess what? They're going to have to sit. That's right. That's right. And it'll, it'll prove. The right. renting market will be a little bit stronger, I think, temporarily. And I think it'll start balancing back out once um, we get through and realize this is normal. Right. right. And so it's, it's the, the new normal for right now. But yeah. um, oh, I mean, once again, uh, rental starts will also slow. Yes, there's coming a lot on my, online right now. Yeah. Yes, that'll get absorbed. But this time next year, most of that's going to be built out. And then what? You know, um, if uh, Cade Thompson and these other prognosticators, uh, as, as we have talked about, are accurate, they spent millions of dollars trying to um, build their models. Yeah. We'll be pretty much the same way this next October or November that we are right now, which means that you're going to have a whole lot of demand and not a lot of product. Yeah. I don't I don't think there'll be a swift change in either direction myself. Right. I, you know, along with the non-performing we've been talking about for at least a year and a half to two years, you and I have been saying the same thing about we, we see a slow drip of it coming through. Mm-hmm. We've heard about everything falling into this funnel and no one's has released the valve yet. Well, the valve is starting to release and a few things are falling out right now. So we're starting to see some product. We'll start to see some more product, but it won't be like a complete waterfall uh, like it, like it was the interesting stat I read today. I just, it just jogged in my memory today, Richard, about black Knight financial data and some numbers and said, you know, the start of September foreclosure starts in September was only like 18 or 19,000 of foreclosure mm-hmm. starts. And during the worst times, I believe when we were like 11 and a half percent default rate, I think there was nearly like a hundred thousand um, foreclosures going on, maybe 200,000, uh, in one month. Mm-hmm. And so that's just, that's just kind of mind boggling, right? right? The difference between then and now it's, it's 10 X, right? If you have mm-hmm. 200,000 in one month and 20,000 this month, that's, that's 10 times the amount, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's just mind boggling how it was then versus it is now. So I think the same thing with pricing and appreciation, depreciation, I think it, it's going to be a slow change. Like I think that 
houses will continue to appreciate. They'll come down a little bit and they'll come back up. They'll kind of teeter like you look at a graph and how it goes up and down, up and down. It's going to be trending, though, that up and down in a positive direction. And so I agree with you. I think next year's not going to look any different. It's going to have some interest rates, a couple, maybe a couple quarters in a row, probably go up and it'll probably come back down. Then it'll probably go back up again. And it'll be a fluctuate. I think we mentioned this before in the broadcast about maybe a half, half a percentage point. So 50, 50 bips, as you would say. Right. Um, so yeah, I don't see much changing. I do see the rental market getting a little bit stronger, but then I also see so much opportunity for seller financing. It's, it's ridiculous how much opportunity there is for seller financing. If you have a property investment property and you can sell that thing with seller financing, Oh man, you're going to be sitting pretty good because eventually the interest rates will probably come back down to probably four to 5%. And we'll call that probably normal Mm -hmm. here on out. Just imagine if you're getting interest rates right now at eight, 9% um, and you're, you're the bank on them, right? You're going to hold those for 20, 30 years. That's awesome. Right. So something else that they presented at this um, uh, mortgage banking uh, conference, which I thought was interesting, um, and they were quoting from several studies, and I'm sorry I can't um, uh, come up with those studies uh, at the moment, but but they said that um, over the last 10 or 15 years, they've proven that homeowners spend almost 47 times more. They have it, and they spend more than renters. So you can say, well, gee, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, the federal government has all been pushing uh, home ownership and, and the American dream. And why have they been doing this? Yeah. Well, that's one of the reasons why. I mean, think of what an engine that is to build the economy. If you've got all these people out there building things, um, you know, adding onto their houses uh, yeah. and, and all this and, and spending more than the average renter, that's that's a huge driver in the economy. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty phenomenal stat. <clears throat> you wouldn't think about that until you until you hear the number. We said forty seven times, <clears throat> right? That's incredible. It's incredible, right? And, and that's and that's an average. It's it's, it's not happening to to everybody. But I mean, yeah. logically, you can think of it. If you've got an apartment and got two or three bedrooms and you know, you're not, don't have a lawn to mow. You don't have a wall to paint. You don't have a, this to repair. And I mean, it's not just all going towards that, but yeah, the people who are moving to homes have more disposable income, more to spend, more to spend it on. And it's a huge driver of the economy. Yeah. Switching topics just a little bit, but on the same lines of notes, I'm wondering the folks that have gotten a HELOC on their house at the mm-hmm. peak of the real estate boom recently. Right. Right. If they're using all of that HELOC, they could be in a little bit of trouble. Mm, Meaning could be. during the pandemic, real estate maybe went up there. Maybe their house went up $50,000 in value and they mm-hmm. go out and they get a HELOC, right? It means they get a low mm-hmm. rate from the bank and they pay interest only payments to them. Maybe it's on a year, uh, recall or maybe it's on a 10-year recall if they if their value of their house has gone back down well the bank the bank has the right to change those numbers if they want they have the they have the right to to call that line of credit and say hey look you know you need to pay this back because you actually we can't give you seventy five thousand we you know it's we can only only give you fifty because the prices of your real estate has changed so I can see that being a problem for some people that have over leveraged themselves 
uh, during this time. Yeah, I can. I mean, mo most HELOCs that I know of are, are done. They're capped at seventy to seventy-five percent loan to value. So you're right. Value comes down. Oops. Now they're at eighty-five percent loan to yeah. value. Um, a lot of it depends on because I know this from years ago because I had a HELOC. I used it for flipping houses, and yeah, uh, the bank can they they. They can't demand that you pay them back immediately. What they can do is they can cut your line and say, look, you had a $500,000 yeah. line. You've drawn no down 200. We're not going to let yeah. you draw down anymore. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Until they, they made their payback period, reach maturity when they're supposed to. Yeah, you're right. I, I misspoke there. No, I don't think you misspoke. I just think it's uh, that's the way I've seen most of them. Yeah, um, done. But but nevertheless, it does increase people's risk in the market because now they've got a the rates are going up, and then all the HELOCs are floating rate, yep. and they're usually one fifty over or something like that. Well, one fifty over right now is going to be like seven or eight percent. So that's not cheap money. It's not. That's not cheap money. I think that's the name no. of our podcast. That's right. <laughs> our episode. That's not cheap that's money. Right. <laughs> so, what are your thoughts about non-performing? Uh, I think they're good. I think they're good opportunities. We, we've talked about this before. It's really going to be a nicer product, I think, as far as the home. I mm -hmm. think the price point's going to be in between the 175 to 350 um, priced home, which in Midwest is a nice house. Mm -hmm. That's a nice, nice piece of property mm -hmm. in the Midwest area. It's probably not that nice in California and, and other places where the property values are significantly higher, but I like it. I, I think it's a great product. And so I'm pretty excited to see now it's going to take more capital, right? To take down some of these deals. We're not going to see a lot of, you know, $10,000 deals here and there. It's going to be higher price stuff. And I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah. I think a lot of people are going to have to do them sort of in their own backyard and in a drivable yeah. distance so they can go kick the tires they can yep. actually look at um, the house, see if it's been trashed or not, estimate what it's going to take to put into it. Um, because unless you're well, you're willing to set yourself up in some foreign city with a contractor that you know, a contractor partner, and target that that foreign I say foreign city, I mean out of state, you know, for where right. you are. <laughs> um, and and not everybody not everybody has the wherewithal to do that. Right. Um, it can be difficult. So it's going to be a little bit more, that's going to restrict a lot of the NPLs on our level. If you want to buy them in pools, that's a whole nother game. Yeah. Whole nother game. It's right, a game Richard. that we'd like to participate in a little bit, I think. And exactly. Yeah. Give us unlimited yes. supply of, uh, of line of credit and we will do some damage on that line. Yeah. Sorry. Well, also when we get our fund started, we should, we should let people know that we are starting a fund for performing, reperforming and non-performing, mostly performing yep. notes. And we'll probably be paying a 8%, 7%, 8% rate. If you are interested, why give either Justin or I a call? Absolutely. And we are out of time for today's episode. Don't forget to go to the Bright Path Notes YouTube channel to check out the video recording of this podcast and all the previous podcast episodes before that. So I'm Justin Bogard. This is episode number 23. And my partner here to my screen right looks like left uh, as I'm looking at the camera. Um, backwards here is Mr. Mm -hmm. Richard Thornton. So thanks Richard mm -hmm. for being on today and we're going to catch you guys on the next episode. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening to Be The Bank. 
We hope you learned something from today's show. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us. Plus, check out our Bright Path Notes channel on YouTube and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Be The Bank and on Instagram at Be The Bank Podcast. Be The Bank is sponsored by Bright Path Notes. Thanks again for listening.